Welcome to Winning with Data Driven Marketing Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Was.ai Market Research. I'm Julie, your host in this podcast, and in every single episode, we talk to industry leaders, marketers, and growth experts in Asia about how to use data to enhance the ROI in their marketing activities. We bring you real case studies while giving you background on how these leaders build their career to where they are today. We will bring you to our speaker shortly after a quick word from our sponsor. Was.ai Market Research is an AI-powered digital research platform that can help you understand your target customer as quick as 24 hours from as low as $1,000. For those who are having questions about what your target customer think about your brand, your ads, or your product, you are guaranteed reliable findings that can help you build better branding, advertising campaign, and launch a more successful product. Find out more at www.base.ai. It's www.base.ai. And use the promo code PODCAST to get your first 10% off. Now, back to the show. Joining me today is Shesni Marikin currently Marketing and Corporate Communications Manager for Hongleung MSIG Takaful. She has over 28 years of experience in technology development, retail management, branding strategy, strategic communications, and has headed brand and marketing departments in Fortune 500 companies such as Petronas, YTL, and Habitjuals. She has also worked for Walmart, Citibank, and Academy of Art in San Francisco. Shaisley, welcome for joining us today. Thank you so much, Julie, for inviting me to talk here today. I hope that I'll be able to impart my 30-year experience in marketing and branding. Shisney, uh, you have more than 30 years in marketing mm-hmm. and branding. What inspired you to pursue a career in this space? Well, actually, it happened um, quite uh Naturally, um, when I, I was out of university in uh, in California, uh, I had just finished uh, a one-year, um, they call it optional practical training, and it was with Walmart. Walmart is like the biggest retailer in the world, and I had done a one-year training with them as a manager in San Jose, California. Uh, and the Melbourne store, and and basically, you know, going out from that job um, of managing a hundred people in the store, and then and then going into a marketing. My first marketing job with was with Academy of Art San Francisco. So I moved from San Jose, San Francisco, to start my first marketing. Um, how do you say endeavor? You know, like I, I I didn't have any experience in marketing at all. My second job um, in marketing was with uh, a branding company. We were more a consulting firm. So we actually rebranded a lot of brands. And some of the brands uh, included Petronas Dagangan, uh, SME Bank, uh, Sepano International Circuit, MBSB, you know, and, and all the big, how do you say, conglomerates that I, and we had the privilege of um, rebranding their brands to make them into a bigger brand. So um, with Petronas Dagenan, I went in when they were at the cusp of trying to figure out how to make their retail arm into a number one retail arm. They were number three. So Shell and BP were ahead of them 
in terms of precious retail. So when I talk about retail, it'll be the retail stations, grocery store, premax, you know, all the 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 uh, the brands that are hitting all the the consumers. So basically, they were having they were having a tough time trying to outcompete their competitors. So Shell and BP were hit. So the CEO said, you know what? We want to be the brand of first choice. So, and then you, if you have a vision of being in the brand of first choice, you got to figure out what does the consumer really want? So basically when we went in, we audited, kind of, we call it a brand audit. Uh, and we be, went down to the, even the nitty gritty of looking at how the stations were, looking at why people would choose Petronas compared to Shell and BP. And the main thing was, People didn't really know the difference between the petrol stations, really. I mean, like, whichever petrol station that is nearest is the petrol station that they will usually go. Because they don't really, I mean, it's, a petrol is petrol, right? Only difference is that maybe, oh, you know, my mom, my dad used to put Petronas. So, yeah, so I followed, you know, so it's, it's, it's a legacy thing. So, you know, generations will use Petronas. Because, you know, maybe their grandparents or parents were using Petronas brand. Uh, the other thing is, it could be, because, you know, last, last time Petronas, petrol stations were combined with um, the oil change service. You know, like you would ha- go and go in and do an oil change. And they would say that, you know, Petronas oil change, uh, no one actually pushes syn- uh, the Synthium oil because it was too expensive. And and uh, it wasn't benefiting the work work um, people who were changing the oil because we weren't giving them enough commission for pushing the brand. So si- simple things like that that we didn't know in the HQ. I mean, they didn't know that was brand questions that they should have asked their their customers because they would do right. I mean, of course, everybody would do a market survey every year to find out how their brand is performing, but they don't do it in a way that what really matters to the customers, you know? So we did a very extensive audit. We told them you needed 50 people in your brand department and we need you to revamp everything A to Z about your brand because you want outcompete Shell BP who are the giants, right? So, and, and, and one of the major things was looking at their current brand portfolio, which was Premax, Symptom. So we needed a very good agency to be able to craft out the, the story, the advertising. So, so we did a, I'd say a pitch with the big advertising companies and we brought in Leo Burnett. And that was the year that we started out with the Merdeka campaign. And until today, they still have the Medica campaign, right? So it's been 30 years. Well, we we're celebrating 66 years of uh, Medica, but, you know, that was the start of the Medica campaign. And at that time, we had Min Ahmad come to do the the campaign. And then, of course, on my side in uh, the company I was in, our CEO was also called Yasmin Ahmad. So it was like a, a Yasmin square team you know like it was the the best team that they could have a branding and advertising uh team that w- was very strong so i was very happy to have done 
uh, have the experience with Petrina Zagan. And that's where brand strategy, um, we feel we had done the pilot in Petronas and the and the strategy that we implemented, it's called um, Adam. It's called Adam because first you audit, A is for audit, D is for design, A is for act, M is for measure, and then E is evolve. So basically we take the brand through these five phases of branding um, every year. So we audit it at the beginning of the year, and then we we design the marketing campaign that needs to to be done. Then we act upon the creative that comes out, which is uh, through advertising, and then again we uh, uh, measure based on the the feedback that we get from the advertising campaign, and then E is evolves. So for next year, we figure out what didn't work. And this happens every year. And they've been implementing the same strategy since. So why do you think Petrares is so strong now? It's because they've been implementing a strategy that, that basically evolves every year. And, and it keeps getting better because they get to know their customers better, make their products better more quality, more, you know, essential things that they need to hear and then basically look at the market as a whole. What else do we do we then offer to the customers? So yeah, that's that's basically the 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 gist of the strategy that I've I've implemented for the last thirty years of my career. And has without fail, you know, done a lot of very good things for brands uh, in Malaysia especially. Thank you for sharing the framework, uh, ADAME, Adam, and, and let's drill down a little bit into it. You mentioned just for the brand audit, um, a lot of companies may have to do it every single year, but it's not really doing what really matters to the customers and you go the route of doing extensive. Could you impart with us and our audience on how do we design the brand audit in a way that it will, it will actually matter that we can actually use the results to really design and act upon? Well, first thing is um, you need to have a database. I mean, data, as you said, data, marketing is a data-driven business. So we one part of the, the key strategy is knowledge management. So we had a brand a management system that we had put into Petronas on that, and it was on the platform, which was Lotus Notes, and then it went and evolved to .NET. Someone migrated it into .NET. So it's basically a database that keeps this research and that research will be acted upon. So every year after they do research, and of course it was with their partner, Nielsen, uh, that we could do the market survey, right? And basically what we did was from the market survey, we analyzed the data and then told them this is the, the, the campaign that we we design based on the data. So based on that, you would have, right now, they would have 30 years of data. So you can actually search through the 30 years and figure out which key element do you want to hit for your customer? You know, do you want to have an emotional bond with them? Do you Are you trying to launch a new product to them? Are you trying to reach new customers? 
So each element of the brand is, is in that database. And it's a searchable database that you can keep. And we don't only keep Petronas's uh, uh, brand audit data. While we're doing the brand audit for Petronas, we take their top three competitors and do a brand audit of their competitors as well. So basically, you have Petronas, Shell, and then maybe now it's not BP, but it could be Petron, could be another brand right now. So at all times, you have the data of all your own and also your competitors. You can also see where your competitors are going. Because at that time, even Shell was trying to be more environmental. And you could see through their advertisement, they had the Shell with the beach, you know, they had the Shell... So they're going into sustainability. And and you could see through their advertising creatives that they wanted to go through that. And then BP had had a struggle with that because of the oil spill. And of course, eventually they, they didn't become they, they were one of the competitors running already because they're no longer in the retail space now. So again, a, a brand can really mess it up like BP, or that brand can thrive like Petronas. So it depends on where you want to go. And then with that data, you decide, you know, which part of the the customer journey. Because again, you know, with marketing, you're trying to hit the customer life cycle journey. You're taking, again, legacy, right? Taking it through the, the customer may live until they're 70 to 100, right? So how do you make them be loyal to your brand? And then also make sure their children be loyal to your brand. And their children, children. So you know, again, it's 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 that data that you would have. So when you start having that data, is when you can figure out how do you then become the number one brand, or they call it brand of first choice that they want it to be. Yep. What would imagine say there is a company who has uh, you know who has been in the market for say more than ten years. Uh, but they haven't actually started to collect all this database or research, not having all this data. What kind of data would you would you see as uh, useful to collect for them to start and and see impact? I think the best thing is uh, looking at their product uh, portfolio. What are the product portfolios that they have currently? Because basically, you either have four or five meat brands. And then you have sub brands, you know, that you also have uh, that you are trying to reach out to the same customer base. But your main brand, your core brands, which is your core service offering, has to be very strong. So they need to know you for a certain um, part of their life. So, for example, okay, Coca Cola is a drink, right? You know, like in one day, one person can drink. Coca-Cola 10 times or it can they can drink it never, right? So it depends on where you want to reach them. If you want the one that's going to make sure that they, they drink your your brand or or use your brand uh, more often, you want to know what what makes them makes them choose that. And, and the main thing is um, you need to know your customers. So look at their preferences. Where are they buying your brands? Which outlets are they going to? So, so your distribution channels are very important. You know, is it through, uh, you know, is are they going to 99? Are they going to 7-Eleven to buy your brand? Or are they going to a supermarket? So it, it kind of kind of 
helps you with your business decisions also because then you can decide, okay, maybe we should scrap this distribution channel that's not working for us. Or we could have more advertising around this, this uh, how do you say, uh, outlets because we know people are going to this outlet to buy our brand. So really knowing your customers and, and when do they buy, you know, sort of, is it in the beginning of the month? Is it when they get payday? Or is it is it something that they do every two weeks? You know, so so really knowing when they're buying your brand. And, and, and thirdly is, why are they buying your brand? You know, that's really important. The why is really important. You know, the, the why could be the after they buy, they feel so happy that they got the great value of buying your brand. They had paid maybe less than a competitor, but they still get the same quality. Or it could even be that they like the ambiance of your retail station because when they go in, you know, everything's clean, your toilets are clean, uh, the, the clerks uh you know, greet them, you know, and it's all this really small things that you didn't think would matter, but matter that matters to the customers. Or maybe they even remember your name, which is even better, you know. So, you know, again, you need to know what what will make them come back to you to buy your brand. So, yeah, so that's, that's the, the key things that you need to know. Again, knowing your customer more and more and more, is what will give you the advantage over your competitors. So who can be their best friend is basically what it is. <laughs> like, you know, basically know exactly what, what will make them want to keep coming closer to your brand. That's basically what it is. <laughs> well, it's like, it's like relationship, right? Uh, the, yeah. the more over person, you know, the closer they will become, it's just like, yeah, it's true. It's true. And it's oh. funny, like people, people try to build on relationships that are, uh, Oh, I think they were like me, but and then you give them something they they don't don't really want, then you're actually wasting you know marketing dollars on promoting that product or service that they don't. Yeah. <laughs> on that note, um, I want to go to the second, the the framework that introduces the design, um, and it will be great also if you can uh you can actually share with us on either the Petronas uh case or any other cases that you have worked on. Um, that so after audit, then we go into design. So how in this design stage, right? What's the usual process? And during this stage, what are the usual challenges that you see? I think in designing a campaign, or designing a advertising, or promoting the product at that design stage is trying to figure out. Okay, you have an X amount of budget. You know, X amount of budget, X amount of resources. How can you translate your objective, which is you want to be able to reach out to your target audience and be able to? It's like content. You know, now you have you all your influences, and, and all, of course, back then they didn't have influencer marketing or you know what we have right now with YouTube and all. And the only thing that they had back then was TV and radio and in between newspapers, right? So there was old school traditional marketing and also billboards, right? So the creative had to transcend, uh, not like how right now, the, the you can get to people's mobile phones in a second. As soon as they post a social media post, you get it 
you know, basically you get to reach your target audience. And, and because it's so targeted with digital marketing, you can even prompt when they need you, you know, you know, with cookies and everything. But for the design, you need to figure out, okay, what's going to hit their buttons? What is going to make them cry or laugh or, you know, or say, hey, that was a really good ad. You know, so basically that's what we tried to do uh, when we started with the Madeka campaign. It made you cry, right? Or made you reminisce or made you uh, think back to, you know, back then. So again, it was it's, it's trying to pull on that, that, that heart strings. So if it's an advertising campaign manages to pull on your art strings, it, it's actually a successful campaign. So when you design that, you have to figure out what's the emotions you're trying to convey or the, the, the feedback that you want them to feel after designing the creative. Same with the content that you do right now with digital marketing, same thing. You don't want it to be bland. You don't want it to be, oh, it's just another poster or it's just another post. Every time you are engaging with the customer, you should think it's the only way you can reach them. You have to you have to figure out like you're an, on an island and you're trying to reach out to your your family from miles away. What would what's the message that you would transcend to them? And that's where you should design the right creative. And you must have the right creative agency that's able to communicate that. And you, as a, of course, we were brand uh, marketing strategists. We had to brief that to the, the creative agency. And it, you have to have that relationship with the creative agency that can understand your brief and, and can understand it firsthand what you're trying to uh, communicate. Okay, there's one thing that, um, one uh, incident with uh, even Petronas, I mean, even with the big companies you have, like, Mistakes happen, but you know you learn from the mistakes, and then you figure out what will work. Uh, at that time, they wanted to promote their Premax brand, which is the the brand, uh, the petrol brand. They they call it Premax, right? So they had uh, got a racer to come in and do their ad. And in the ad sequence, there he would be racing to the station, like uh, like as if he came from a race, and then and then pump his petrol and then and then race out. All right. Uh, when the the advertising agency had pitched it to the CEO, he initially said, "Okay, you know, go ahead, shoot the ad." You know, it looks like it's okay. When it got shot, you know, they, they shot it and then it took like a few weeks and then like maybe 1.3 million or whatever to shoot it. When it went up to the board of directors of Petronas, it got shot down because it said, you know what? The, the ad didn't uh, shows that we are relaxed in the road safety because we were getting a safe, a, a, a racing car driver driving, uh, you know, really, you know, speeding it into the station. And then, uh, you know, so it was the, the safety element was something they forgot to to put into the ad. They scrapped the ad 
didn't use that ad. No one heard about it at only people that were in the background knew about it. So again, big companies still make mistakes on this even the smallest thing that matter. So sometimes you don't see it. So when designing a creative, you must look at all elements that customers would want, you know, what your brand is supposed to uh, your brand values. Is it safety? Is it you know trusted? You know, what what are your brand values? So you need to make sure that your creative is aligned with I I like this example a lot because when you were describing that ads to me, I can sense the emotional, the, the emotions that me came up in sort of excited and I was like, I, I could be like that, right? But when you raise up the idea about safety, I can also see how it might backfire. Yeah, exactly. And, I, and they saved it. I mean, they saved it in a sense it didn't come out. So, uh, so they scrapped it and did a, a totally new campaign altogether. So they, they kind of saved their their brand uh from being destroyed and probably destroyed the press if it were to go out yeah and what's the um you you mentioned around you know sometimes uh even big company makes mistakes you know choosing the right creative agency is key in design um is there sort of like a hiring criteria uh that is in mind when choosing the creative agency i think it's it's the the brief if, if they can get the brief it's very important that they understand where you're from and also your strategies that they understand your why why you're implementing the strategies at this point in time because a lot of people will have a, a i say a preconceived notion oh i think you know patronus should be like this or it should be like that but you know you really need to know the brand inside out before you create the story or even shoot the creative for it and having that relationship with uh, even the creative director needs to know it. And of course, in creative agencies, the creative director can change over time. So you need to figure out whether that creative director still is the right creative director for the brand. And you need to do uh, maybe every four or five years, revamp the, the agency to see whether or uh, retest the agency to see whether they're the right agency for you or the brand. Because eventually, you know, you, if you are a 100, 200 year brand, you want to make sure that the loyalty is still there with the customers and that you're still in the, the life cycle journey that you want with them and not have an agency that's going to mess up that relationship. So again, the creative that comes out, it can be, it can be innovative. It can be very creative, but it has to be still aligned with, again, your brand values. Awesome. Uh, you mentioned brand values actually a few times now. Uh, definitely want to touch on that uh, uh, later on. Um, if we go down to the the, the third one, which is Acapon, um, I'm curious: is there any best practices around uh, around the idea around when we are acting and implementing on the plan? Um, stay. We started to receive. So we always came up with a plan that perhaps is a longer period of time. But then halfway, let's say there are certain things that doesn't go with our expectations. I'm curious if you actually faced with such scenario before, where by halfway throughout the plan, there are unexpected uh, scenarios that happen. And how do you go about it? Yeah. For sure. I mean, like, um, once, you know, what if 
the CEO changes, you know, because every time when the CEO changes, they always want something new. So, you know, webinars every two years, that happens. So again, you know, every two years, you're, you're having to deal with a, a different leadership that wants to do it their way or have a different vision, mission for the brand, which shouldn't be the way, actually. Actually, your vision and mission of the brand should still be, should sustain. The main vision of the brand should sustain. But maybe for the year, it could be a, a supplementary vision where they want to uh, go for the year. Maybe they want to improve or they want to uh, do a mark, you know, maybe making sure that the sales go up. You know, so basically that vision can change, but the main vision shouldn't change. So, you know, the, the key brands, the, the hundred-year-old brands like Coca-Cola and McDonald's have maintained their vision. Disney, you know, they they maintain their vision, you know, being the happiest place on, on earth. That, that doesn't change. But maybe, like, for the year, the CEO may say, you know, now we need to cut costs, you know, and all that, and then and make sure that the customers still don't feel the pinch and they still get the same quality and value, but uh, still. So there's another thing that they need to look at with branding, uh, and we call it FD. Um uh, not OCD, but FCD. <laughs> so it's a form, character, and delivery. So form is what you see of the brand. So that could be your logo, your building, could be your, you know, basically what they see on your uniform. It's anything to do with your brand, what they see. So C, is, C stands for character. The character of your brand. What is the emotions that they feel about your brand? So when they would go into your store, they would buy your brand. They feel happy. Do they feel excited? You know, so the character of your brand can be uh, exemplified with uh, maybe the people at the station, or the people in your store, or the the people that they uh, when you call them at their call center. You know, that's the character that they would uh, that your your brand embodies. And then D stands for delivery. Delivery is the total experience. So from form and to delivery. So basically, it's it's your station. So they see your station with your logo and all that. They they see your your the pump attendants, you know, smiling, and they they uh, the everything's clean. So the whole total delivery of your brand is the touch point that your 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 customers have with your brand each time that they engage with your brand. So it could be an engagement online. So you see a lot of engagements online now with e-commerce brands like Shopee, Lazada, Amazon. So every time that they are clicking on your app, what do they feel? Do they feel happy or do they feel sad that money is going into their You know, they're basically going to you. So if, if this experience from A to Z, from the, the time that they, the first time that they, they see you and then the, the time that they get the product eventually is, is, is a positive experience, we call that a positive FCD. Or it could be a negative FCD. And you, you need to figure out where the negative uh, red flags are. Is it because they don't, maybe your brand doesn't show in your form, maybe the there's no consistency in your character. Maybe the maybe one day the the person that's smiling at you is no longer smiling at you. So and then D is whether you know you go from one station to the next. Is it the same experience? You know, you go to a McDonald's, 
it's rare you get a different experience. You kind of expect experience to be the same. And you get disappointed when it's not. So you have to always ensure that the experience is consistent throughout. So FCD is is where do you act upon, uh, you may put it up in the ads, you know, oh, you know, we're the best brand or you're getting great value, but, you know, people don't feel that after coming out of uh, experiencing your brand. So you need to fix that really fast because the expectation and the reality has to be very balanced and that people get what they they see in the ad. So that's that's part of the implementation of your from design to implementation. So so even when the creative agency is working on the campaign, you then have to go down to the nitty-gritty of where the campaign is being implemented, the stations and all that, that the customer will experience what you're trying the emotions to be in the, the advertising. So that's where you need to bridge that. And that's where you, you, you figure it out what you need to do. Yep. On the positive FCD and negative FCD, just as you mentioned, is that something that you would measure, measure stage after acting on it? Yeah, that's a part of the audit. You know, part of the audit is looking at your FCD and uh, looking not only at your FCD again, you have your... Um, competitors FCD. So in in uh, in Petronas at their brand department, we had set up uh, a room where they call it a war room because it's called a competitive signaling environment room. It's called CSE room, uh, where all this is the uh, competitors, brands, uh, advertising, um, brochures, marketing material, everything is in that one room where you could always have foresight of where they're going and that you are making sure that your brand is standing out from that crowd because, you know, you're always in a crowd. If you're a top brand, you're always in a crowd of, and hopefully you're not in a crowd where people can't make you out. You want to make sure that you stand out from all the, the sea of brands that are out. So again, that that with that, you would be able to know because you would see it for yourself. Yeah. Is that like a physical room? Yes, and... physical. It's a physical room with uh, LCD screens, you know, which you would be able to pull out, uh, you know, TVC ads, pull out radio ads, or pull out, you know, basically anyone can have it. You know, anyone should have it at their brand department, making sure that you, you are always... Um, Know what your competitors are doing. Don't be so, how do you say, narrow-minded that you only need to look at your data. You need to look at your competitors' data and also new competitors. Because there could be new entrants into your industry. Like for now, you know, the oil and gas, they're not just competing with other oil and gas. You're competing with the EV brands now. You're competing with those that are giving uh, electric vehicles. So again, those are your competitors. The people that are vying for your product are the people that are going to say, hey, maybe you are no longer sustainable for us. Maybe you no longer fit our brand values. So then they would just hop into another brand's car and just uh, drive away and say, bye, thank you so much for the last hundred years. <laughs> and, you know, and then go and, Go and go and uh, be loyal to another brand. So again, com- 
the client, your customers are very fickle minded and they can be swayed by price. They can be swayed by promotions and they can be swayed by uh, empty promises. But you need to make sure that you're steadfast in what you are trying to promote or give them in the end of the day. What is it that they're, they're taking back from your brand? I like how vivid it is to imagine there is the CSD room. Uh, and, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's like you're right, then, right? And and I'm curious a little bit more about this room. How does the team actually use it in real life? Uh, well, again, you know, it's it's imagine yourself like being in a museum. You know, you like you have history of you know certain things that happen, maybe. Way back, you know, Zaman Chinese, you know, so it's again like it's like way back, you know, how did Shell start? You know, how did BP start? How did you know? So basically, all you know, like the history, because they went through the same history timeline as you, except that maybe theirs could be a faster timeline where they became the number one brand, or now they're number two. So you, and you have to keep track with that with your numbers. Yeah, uh, the numbers when I'm saying numbers is uh, two numbers that are actually very important for you to track is your market share and your mind share. It's like, you know, your mind share and, and also your goodwill. How, how you know, goodwill is, is, is uh, every year any report tells you what your brand value is, right? So making sure that your goodwill and your mind share and market share is always on top is something that you want to make sure that you also know where you're, your because comp competitors are looking at you too. Don't think they're not looking at you. So, you know, so they always keep track who are the top competitors they're competing with. So, the more that you have data, the more that you can be top of your game. It's just like how, I guess, uh, Olympic athletes, they go and watch the, uh, the, the people that they want to emulate or they want to beat. They will go and see what, what move will they make, whether they're going to they have a service advantage if you're a tennis player or whether, you know, in football, whether they have the, the best defense. That's the same thing you do with brands. You, you really observe where, what are your competitors doing? The more observant you are, the more you can kind of like um, be the first, be the first to make sure that you get the, the people's attention. How do you measure goodwill? Basically, like for, for Coca-Cola, for example, uh, if you were to Google um, what is the the value, the brand value of, of Coca-Cola, right? Basically, they would look at there's an increase over the years. It could be based on how they're performing and and. And now I think in 2023, the Coca-Cola Goodwill is total at 33.48 billion. But they've been declining since um, 2021. So again, with a big brand like, like, like Coca-Cola, they need to figure out why they're declining. There must be new competitors coming in. You know, you... It's, it's basically sh showing you there are hundreds of brands, right? Hundred brands in the industry. So they're going to show you who is the big giant, who is the small. And then 
And as new competitors come in, of course, the the the, the big brands are going to lose their their brand value because these new companies are more aware of the trending what people need. So they need to learn like what are the new brands coming in? Well, how do they then? and uh, make sure there's no decline. So again, Coca-Cola, the last two, three years, they've been declining. They need to figure out why, what. And I feel the reason why it's declining is because people are getting more healthy. So they're more going towards healthier alternatives uh, to, uh, you know, for lifestyle. Because, you know, Coca-Cola is a lifestyle brand. Even though it's a beverage, people drink Coca-Cola because it's, they can afford it. I mean, why would you drink Coca-Cola when water is free, right? But even water you pay for. So again, so, so branding again is you pay for the brand. I just, I just had a conversation with a, a brand owner, a Bayesian brand owner. She owns uh, Chester, Chester London. Uh, she, she, she owns this um, retail brand that sells um, sheets, bed sheets. And she's from Ipoh. Okay, she's from Perak. And she had, had built this brand uh, for uh, bed sheets and pillows and all that. And, I, and it, it's called Chester London. And she said it was from uh, the influence of traveling to London and um, bringing those designs back. The hotel brands that you know that they did uh, with the the sheets and the, the one thousand thread count. So it's basically how do you transcend that brand and and she said you know now we had to mark down our our sheets you know from being thousands of ringgit to hundreds of ringgit because we're competing now with e-commerce you know with Shopee and Lazada you have all kinds of you know China brands coming in with uh, 1,003 pound sheets so I said don't don't see yourself as a, a sub brand a sub far brand See of yourselves as a brand where you feel that why would anyone pay so much money for a Chanel bag or a Dior bag or a, you know the bigger brand bag? It's because you're paying for the brand that it you are the experience the, the delivery experience, right? So maybe all you need to do is change your packaging, change the the quality of your brand, uh, make it a bit more art market, maybe cool brand with a hotel, a cool brand with a, a luxury brand that will enhance your brand. So you must think about, so again, you know, creatives and people at the top, they really need to be innovative at how they brand themselves and look at year to year, why are you having to to lower your prices and try to compete with the low quality producers when you can actually enhance your brand, make it a better product and charge people uh, more, and they're, they're willing to pay it. They're willing to pay it. I mean, and, and you need to believe in your brand. The first thing is you need to believe in your brand that you can give that experience to the customers. And you create the story why they should buy at that price point. I can see how um, when companies are using price as the main goal, to sort of compete is when when they lose sight of using the product itself to compete. Exactly, and and again, it's because they feel so afraid of losing their market share, right? They want, just want to, you know, looking at the bottom line, bottom line, but they don't understand that customers for them it's like 
I use your sheets to go to sleep. You know, that's basically what it is. And then, you know, why would you continue having the same experience with your customers that they're happy that they're buying your sheets? Or they're happy maybe to gift it someone. You know what I said? You know, going to gifting. If that's you need to pivot, pimp your your company. Make it a gifting company where you, you use the sheets as a wedding present, a birthday present, whatever. You know, again, look at where are you where are you trying to reach your customers? So again, you know, brands have to be very aware of their customers. And that leads us uh, very nicely to our faith of the framework, which is Evolve. Um, how would you, is there like a, um, a certain steps or best practices that you would recommend for companies to, uh, we, are at, we are almost at Q4, uh, we are almost at Q4 of the year. So I think this is a good time for a lot of brands to look into how do they evolve next year. And I think any if there is any reflection exercises, it, it should basically start now. Uh, what is your advices to companies um, who would like to, you know, do this step in a proper way so that they can really evolve next year? I think, again, it goes back to understanding the customers, what drives them. Uh, people are more aware now of consumption people are not more aware now about what stage uh, more aware about in future generations they want to be net zero by 2030 zero carbon you know having a future for you you want to make sure that the earth lives before you know they hit 100 right you know you don't want elon Musk to say hey we need to vacate earth and go to mars in the next 30 years, because, you know, I have a grandchild who just got born, like, t- in 2022. I want to make sure that, you know, how we are teaching consumption with retail brands especially is that um, the brands go with the needs of not only the consumers, but also making sure that it's sustainable. So a lot of companies have gone into ESG very big this year especially and like you know companies like Bovo has gone strictly into EVs and why is that because the environment is getting um blasted left right center that we are not doing enough or we're not doing it fast enough for for our uh, you know mother nature to survive so basically now is is a stopgap measure where what what do brands have to do to ensure her, um, that is sustainable. So in the evolved phase, you need to understand where consumers are now aware. You know that they're more. Uh, they need to be more into recycling. Maybe they need to be more into consuming the right brands that are based. And brand values are usually aligned with their own values. So, you know, your own personal values, you know, so maybe they, they feel like I'm not going to spend a lot of money on this brand because it no longer aligns with, you need to be aware what their values are, whether that values have changed. And so your brand evolves with them. If you want them to still be your customer or not, you would need to find new customers that align with your brand. And that's, that's how the evolve phase works. And, and that is every year, find out what actually makes them decide to still be with your brand. Uh, thanks for trying to reverse the Adam framework. Um, with your experience around branding, right? Um, 
what do you see as the typical challenges or mistakes um, a lot of companies may face uh, while they try to build their brand? Um, I wouldn't say, as I said, you know, like you learn from every interaction that you have with this is not a mistake because you learn it's a mistake if you don't learn and you keep pumping dollars into the same thing. So again, I think the main thing that they need to understand is that no, you don't have to have a lot, a big budget, a big budget helps. Uh, in terms of uh, making the creative more creative or having you to engage with the the best agencies out there. But even like, even if you had an internal team of designers, if you had hired someone, one to do your multimedia, one to do your graphic design and one to do your digital marketing uh, and one to do the copywriting, basically all you need in a brand, uh, you know, SME may not be able to even afford three people on the marketing team. So the person that you take in, and it's very important when you interview them that they understand your business, understand what you stand for, and that can be done in the next, the la- first month of the orientation of this person, on the marketing person, is that they know the ins and outs of your company. And Walmart, which was the first company I worked for, was the best at doing that. And that's why they're still number one. They're Fortune 500 number one company. And they are like that is because of the way that they've ingrained their culture into the employees. So the first week at, at Walmart, their first month at Walmart, I wasn't allowed on the, the store floor until I went through every step that the preceding manager experience it, it was like a manual and it was because it was way back then everything was not computerized yet and walmart was already like quite advanced in their computer database and everything but it was just like a folder it was like this thick it basically gave you a manual of how do you uh control your inventory how do you make sure a customer that comes in and complains uh Whatever a customer fell at the parking lot, what do you do? Uh, what, what if the customer came in with an a exchange of a present that they got from Christmas that they want to change it? So it was a, a very detailed in and out of the business of the customer's interactions with the company. And and, and as a manager, what you're supposed to do with it. What at every scenario what you're supposed to do. And until I had that manual down pat, I couldn't go to the store floor. Imagine, and I was just the store manager. I'm not the CEO of the company, okay? And what they had was this, uh, they had, um, they call it a store within a store. Means that anyone who was the store manager of that Walmart store, is kind of like you own that store. You are responsible for everything that happens in that store. Whether there's a fire, whether there's uh, someone that's going to get shot. You know, because it was in San Jose, so they, had, they were selling guns. So I had to actually get a gun license to be able to sell guns because Walmart sold guns in the the, uh, the uh, sporting goods section. So again, <laughs> my experiences with them were very bad. 
But what I learned from Walmart was that they made sure that their employees were prepared in every situation. And I think with brands, you have to be aware of every engagement, every situation, and 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 you need to keep track of their data. Without data, or if you don't keep track of it, how would you know how to to face it? It's like an FAQ. It's like a long list of FAQs. What if this happens? What do you do? You know, what if this happens? What do you, you know? So, so they had that, and they 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 knew that that worked because they knew that managers were going to come and go. They knew that the the customers are not going to change. Customers are still going to behave the same way, but the managers come and go. So they made sure that each manager was aware of how they dealt with that situation. And I think that is what most companies should have or implement that as a system. That is, of course, HR that needs to do that. Uh, make sure the people are always uh, ready for what they're supposed to. And of course, that wasn't a marketing job. It was more managing management of people. I felt that that was something that was very valuable. And I think I that's why Walmart is still number one. Because and and of course now they are they are into this um, Web three technology. They're into all this VR technology. So I have no qualms that will, they'll still be number one because they are so up their game and they they work like clockwork. I I the the people that they have there know what they're doing. <laughs> That's a really interesting story here. Uh, I, I like the idea around the orientations, you know, no ins and outs of company and keeping track. That, uh, like, you, like you say, customers don't change, the manager does, right? And that pretty much goes into the loop of what you mentioned. Um, you know, the, the mistake, literally, or the challenges is you don't learn from. Yeah, and, and, and you track of it. Actually, you keep track of it. You should keep track of your, the mistakes so that it doesn't happen to another manager. It doesn't happen to another marketing manager or doesn't happen to another CEO. And and that's also the same way uh, human history. If you notice, the reason why we have so many wars is because all the leaders haven't learned from their mistakes. So if, if someone had kept a database of what you should or shouldn't do as a leader, then maybe you wouldn't have so many wars. <laughs> yeah. Oh, with that, we have reached our very exciting final session, which is, we call it the lightning round. Um, I, I typically have like uh, two or three questions that I asked uh, to the speaker, right? And for you, I have a special questions for you because um, you're a mother of three. Yeah, sure. I have a comment. If you have a grandkid, uh, you look young. <laughs> you're at risk of moving home again. And you're at risk of, you know, uh, embarking on a new career as well. Yeah. How do you manage all this? Well, I, I take a deep breath every morning. <laughs> Make sure that I'm ready for the day. I think the main thing is that um, try to be the best version of myself. As a mom, as a daughter, as a employee, I try to be the best version I can at that time. And giving the amount of time to each, I say, role that I pay, pay, uh, play, and that it's not uh, something that I force upon myself. Is that um, you know I I prioritize 
making sure that the the time is a quality time and that making sure and it also time management is really important. I wake up at like four in the morning every day. And it's, it's, if I don't wake up at four, I, I really can't get my day started. So, um, and, and now that one of my daughters are, is, is already married with her own kid. Uh, and I was just telling her today, I said, come and see me. You know, I haven't seen you in three weeks. You know, it's, it's, I do miss having her around. And I think a lot of parents forget, you know, that you're going to grow up and they're going to leave you and have their own life. So you really need to make sure when they are with you that you're spending time with them. And that's what I'm doing with my younger two. And I've been privileged to have three beautiful girls and now a grandson, which, uh, you know, basically they're the reason why I do what I do every day. And I, I feel like, you know, whatever whatever decision I make, it's it's for the their their lives, uh, future lives. So hopefully they will appreciate or be grateful for that. How about when they go over there? I I read this book Five AM Club by Robin Sharma. But now I met you, who is the Four AM Club. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's it's more about like, you know, I'm so, um, it's important for me to know, uh, let them know that I prepared their meals, you know, but, you know, so that when at lunch they know that um, I took the time to, I said, sorry. <laughs> no, it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. It's it's uh it's very inspiring. Yeah, because I I've had a lot of uh, health issues. I've had uh, an open heart surgery. I've had two um, strokes, and I'm just thankful. Thankful I'm here. That's all. <laughs> That's all. I'm thankful I'm here that I'm able to still spend time with them. Yeah. I didn't know this part actually. Uh, this part of yours, your story, and while uh, uh, I think I think during COVID period is also the time where it inspired me to to think would like in a different way. Uh, but what you what you just mentioned, what you went through, I can't imagine, but definitely give you a, a different perspective around the chapter of like, yeah, because you know, a lot of people think like, oh, you know what, we have tomorrow. I can see them tomorrow. But what if tomorrow doesn't come? You know, you you have to really think. You know, what can you do today that makes it count? You know, and a lot of people don't know that it's it's important to tell them that you love them, or and all that. Cause they won't know. Or if you're gone, how are they supposed to know? Right? Yeah. Yeah. So again, of course, my because I have girls, so we're we're a bit more bonded uh, in terms of like what we love to do, you know, with makeup and shopping and everything. But it's it's just that fun of like telling them, you know, that I'm always there for them. It's, it's important for me. Yeah. I think there's something here for us, all of us to learn. And that brings us to our last questions. Um, What is the one marketing book or resources that you would recommend to our audience? Oh, wow. One marketing book. I guess the one that really resonates with Google, uh, I think you, you need to really 
so I didn't remember I said that I worked for Tracks Associates. Uh, well, there's a consulting firm that we 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 built Petronas uh, with, and she had uh, done a, a a book, a brand book. Um, I, uh, and she it basically put in all the case studies in that book, and how we managed. That. So everything that you you have heard in my podcast, she had. Uh, written a book and 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 put it into case studies that you can refer to. It's called "The Right to Brand" by Yasmin Merican. The Right to Brand, and you can get it in Kinokuniya and MBH and all that major stores. If you can't, we can probably get it on Amazon. Uh, and that uh, showcases the story, the case studies in and and Petronas. And uh, she even before Petronas, she had done. Uh, branding of Caltex and all that. So that will be the, the book that you can use to see how that Adam process, CSE process and FCD process worked for the clients and see how they had implemented it and then changed the way they brand branded off. So the right to brand, if they can get a copy of it, that would be something that they, I would recommend. Thank you. Shisna, this is in amazing uh thank you for sharing us uh all the framework um usually our audience would also want to know if they want to reach out and learn more about what you're up to would linkedin be the best place to reach out yeah you can uh, reach me on linkedin or you can reach me at chesney at gmail.com or and or my phone number I, i'm quite open with them whatsapping me because i'm in all kinds of groups anyway so uh they can reach out. My WhatsApp number is zero one seven two nine six two four five six, and I would love to hear from them of their own experience with uh, branding and marketing. Maybe there's something I can learn from them because there's always different scenarios, different customers, different audiences that we want to always reach out to that they may have had more experience than I have. Uh, amazing. Uh, I, I love your attitude of, you know, keep learning as well. Thank you so much for listening. If you find this valuable, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Also, please consider giving us a rating or leaving us a review because this really can help other listeners to find the podcast. You can find all the episodes or learn more about this podcast at was.ai. See you in the next episode.